Wouldn't it be great if you could earn the CEUs you need by listening to a podcast? Well, now you can. We have partnered with speechpathology.com to offer CEUs on select autism outreach podcasts like this one. Just head over to speechpathology.com and sign up to enjoy unlimited access for a full year for $99. That's unlimited 24-7 access to hundreds of online courses offered for ASHA CEUs, including live webinars, on-demand videos, audio, and text courses. Plus, select Autism Outreach Podcasts for just $99 a year. Finally, earning CEUs is as easy and stress-free as listening to your favorite podcast. Just visit speechpathology.com and use promo code AUTISM at checkout. That's speechpathology.com, promo code AUTISM to get started today. You are listening to another episode of Autism Outreach, and I'm your host, Rose Griffin. Today, I'm doing a show and talking all about teletherapy and how to support your students with autism. When COVID hit and it was a global pandemic, I learned all about teletherapy. And I've been providing teletherapy this past year to a variety of students. And I want to share my top five tips and strategies on how you can support your students with autism through this distance learning model. Let's get to this important episode all about teletherapy and supporting students with autism. You're listening to Autism Outreach Podcast, a podcast full of ready-to-use strategies to help those with autism strengthen their communication skills. Here's your host, Rose Griffin of ABA Speech a speech therapist and board-certified behavior analyst who shares tips you can use in your next therapy session. Welcome to Episode 2 of the Autism Outreach Podcast. Today, we are going to be talking about teletherapy strategies for students with autism. Teletherapy, seeing students through a virtual platform, has become a reality for so many of us. I am seeing students virtually, and it can be a challenge. This episode, I will share my top five strategies for supporting students with autism through teletherapy. I know I was feeling overwhelmed in March 2020, but I have had some students who are doing well despite the barriers that come with it. I couldn't believe the news that we got in March that we were going to be going virtual. And although I attended a lot of professional development and the district that I was working in, the districts, I was working in two different districts, had a lot of tech support. It was still very, very hard to understand that all of the things that I was trying to do in person would now have to be done through virtual instruction. I remember that one leisure skill that I had worked on with my students when we were in person was yoga. I love working on yoga, standing poses only because that's easier for school. But I love using yoga because I think that it's a lifelong leisure skill. And so what I would do when I was doing a lesson in person is we would do a language lesson. I kind of set up my groups pretty similar in the fact that I base it off the student need, but we may start with greetings or conversation. And then we do some type of literacy-based activity. 
And then we always end with a leisure skill. I think leisure skill building is very, very important for all students, but especially students with autism. And so yoga was something that I had been working on with a particular group of students prior to COVID and the pandemic. And so what we would do is we would utilize a meditation music. I would put that on. I had some really nice yoga cards that I actually think were from our occupational therapist. I would show the pose and then we would hold the pose for 10 seconds, a count of 10. My students really seemed to enjoy this activity and I really loved how functional it felt because I know that I could share with my parents that our students had engaged in yoga and potentially they could generalize it to the home environment or when the students get a little bit older, if it wasn't COVID, there are definitely places in my area where they do yoga and we were thinking about trying to generalize it to a community-based setting. So we would do a handful of poses and we would always end by doing the tree pose. I am not a yogi, just I love yoga, but it's not something that I do all the time. Usually I just do it at work. So the tree pose, your hands are together. And then some of the students who are able to engage in saying namaste, which they say at the end of a yoga session, I believe we would practice that too. And it was just a really fun way to kind of end our group sessions. My students love this. And we were addressing so many skills during this time pre-COVID, engagement in a group activity, lifelong leisure skills, following directions, all of those different skills were being addressed. When COVID hit and I was able to do yoga virtually with my students, I really felt like I was going to cry because I was so very touched that even though the world seemed so awry and it still does, we were able to engage in something that felt so familiar because we were working on yoga in the classroom. And I loved being able to see parents and siblings prompt the students as needed to engage in the yoga poses that we had done at school. My heart was absolutely filled with joy. It was something familiar during such a hard time. And I really loved being able to engage through teletherapy in that activity. I had another student who has complex needs. We were working on verbal imitation skills prior to COVID. And that was something we still targeted in teletherapy. So when COVID hit, I would read him a book, just like we had done at school, and we would work on verbal skills. So he was imitating functional verbal imitation targets. And through that activity, when I would log on to my computer, even though I was probably feeling grumpy because I was stressed out about scheduling different sessions, I was stressed out about the tech that was involved because I was using a different platform than I was used to, I would log on and I would see the joy that this student had when he saw me. And that was the highlight of my day, my week you know, kind of my year when I think back on how excited he was to log on. And I remember I saw that student towards the end of my week and it kind of always gave me a little boost. Like you can do this, you can get through this, you're going to see so-and-so, you're going to work on literacy-based activities that are functional for him. And that really brought joy to me. And I know that he was excited to see me. So we all need those moments. We need those therapy moments that make us feel like, yes, this is working. This feels good. This is fun. This is functional. It definitely brought me happiness to see the, see the sheer joy he had when seeing me and doing therapy. So those were some highlights in a time that was pretty dark in March 2020. There are positives to teletherapy. It can be easier to communicate with families. I definitely have, and I'm sure that you probably do too, have more frequent communication 
with families during teletherapy. It helps them understand what a session looks like, and it helps us to plan for generalization. It can help us build a stronger relationship with our clients and families. I do say families because we are going to talk about five strategies today to help support students with autism during teletherapy. Not every, and I realize this, not every family is going to be able to have somebody there to support the student. We know that that's one of the major barriers if there isn't somebody there to support and prompt the student as needed. But I have been able to meet siblings, sisters, brothers, grandparents. I've been able to have closer contact with parents, which can be a little scary at first because in essence, somebody is sometimes watching you do therapy, but it has really been a time for me to feel like I've built stronger relationships with parents. And I do really cherish those relationships that I've built during this time of teletherapy. We know that there are barriers, especially for students with autism and all students, really. Student engagement can be a barrier. It can be hard to engage our students in tasks where they're working on goals that are targeted on their IEPs. It can be really difficult to know how to keep students engaged through this type of platform. Scheduling. Scheduling can be a barrier. It's hard. I've been getting into a groove now that this is the second school year that we're doing this as far as scheduling. And it's not as personal as in-person therapy. And that's just my opinion, right? But everybody is going to have a different opinion. I have had students who are actually doing better in teletherapy, maybe because the setup is different. There's not, not as much distraction. But I definitely have had students too where I've felt challenged as far as how am I going to engage this student? How am I going to make this a functional time? So today what we're going to discuss are the five strategies to help support students with autism during teletherapy. So let's get right to it. Strategy one is, does the student have a person in the home who can be next to them during the session? This is not a reality for every single student. And ideally, especially the students who are emerging communicators, they're really going to need somebody with them during the session. Because we know that a big part of the session for a student with more complex needs can be parent coaching, which is one of the strategies we're going to get to in a bit. But setting up some expectations for strategy one, as far as this is what we really need. We really need a quiet space if possible. We really need the student to have somebody who is with them to prompt as needed. And that's going to be very, very important. This is vital to help increase engagement. It helps with tech concerns. I know that sometimes it's happened to me where I think I'm sharing my screen and nobody can see anything, but maybe my student didn't have the language to say, hey, Miss Rose, we cannot see that picture of that winter scene that you want to show us, that it, it was the person next to them that said, we don't see anything. Okay, so helping with tech concerns, it's nice to have somebody there. And it allows us to have that ongoing communication with the family. I've met my students' parents, and I've communicated with them more now than ever. It also helps build rapport with grandparents. And I think what it really helps people do is stay in the loop about what's happening in therapy. And what does speech therapy look like? I've had parents reach out to me and say, you know, it's been really nice to see what you're doing in therapy. As a school-based clinician, I fill out progress reports. I think it's every nine weeks. I can't remember right now. But we do have that 
ongoing communication with parents in that sense. But sometimes it's hard for parents to actually visualize what is happening in therapy, even though we talk at IEP meetings and we talk during progress time and conferences, it's nice to be able to see it. So strategy number one is setting up expectations. Somebody needs to be there to prompt the student, if at all possible. The computer needs to be set in a place that's free of distraction. This is going to help us have a better chance of our student being engaged in the session. Strategy number two, how can we help our students engage during virtual therapy? I have found that having this framework, a plan for the session is essential. We know as speech-language pathologists that we're always thinking and planning, how is this session going to go? How am I going to plan this session? How will I embed this student's goals into the session? A template and a framework that I've been using that's been very, very helpful for my students is this. Start with something fun. So first, we're going to have to know what is fun for our students. Now, this can be challenging if you have students who are new to your caseload. So we may have to spend a session or two trying different things to determine what does your student really love to do? Do they like to watch a little video? Do they like to hear you sing a song? Do they like to see you play with bubbles? We can still use real life toys if you have younger students. These are things that we can do. You could use a green screen. That's not something that I've dabbled with, but I know a lot of people have been using things like that. And so we need to determine what is something our student would enjoy. Just like when we do anything, it's kind of good for our behavioral momentum to start with something fun. And so that's the first thing I do in this framework. The next thing, transition to easy or mastered tasks. So knowing what our student has worked on in the past, what are some easy skills that our student can do on their own? This is a nice time to work on these skills in maintenance. Sometimes we say that's in maintenance because the student has already mastered it. And so it's good to work on these things for fluency. Okay, we're going to do something fun. Wow, we did that video. I sang that song. Now what we're going to do are some easy things that I know you can do. And that's our second part of this framework. The next thing that I do in my sessions for teletherapy are work on goals that are tied to the student's IEP. We know that this is such an important thing that we need to do. And by working on something fun and then doing some easy tasks and then phasing in work on IEP skills or the goals that we know that we need to work on, this is going to be a good time for us to do that at this point in the session. Once we've been able to work on IEP skills, and it's going to be very individualized, every single student is going to have a different level of engagement, and every single student is going to have a different duration of on-task time. And so those are things that you need to keep notes of and know for your student because it's going to be different. You may have one student who can work for five minutes on skills, and then they take a break. You may have one student who works for... 20 minutes and takes a break, it's going to be different. After we work on our IEP skills, we know that we could take a little break. Maybe that student likes to engage in watching a video. Maybe that student just wants a minute of downtime. Maybe that student wants to do the Mr. Potato Head boom card. There are a lot of different things that you can do for fun. So working on the IEP skills and then taking a little bit of a break. And then I have is this framework is repeat as needed. So start with something fun 
transition to an easier mastered task, work on IEP skills, take a play break, and then repeat as needed. That has been a very, very helpful framework when I'm planning teletherapy for my students with autism. All right, so that's strategy number two. Now on to strategy number three. Strategy number three is to use resources that are engaging. There are so many different amazing free resources out there. And today I want to share with you three, three that have really been helpful for my students and that you could easily incorporate into your sessions and that for the most part are absolutely free, which I love. Who doesn't love a freebie? The first resource is called Epic Books. Epic Books is a really free or affordable way to work on literacy online. And why I really love it is they have a section called Read to Me. The Read to Me books have a variety of topics. So you can just go right on Epic and you can search by any topic. Let's say that you're planning a winter theme. You can go and you can look up Read to Me, which is one of the categories. And then you can search which books are about winter and they will be read to the students. So you can embed this in the lesson. You can also just read those student books to your student as well. But I, there's something about that that I like. It's a little bit of a switch from me doing all the talking to the student attending to another area, another person's voice. These books in the Read to Me section, a lot of them have real life pictures, which I really, really love. I do tend to work with a majority of students who are older. And so I always want to make sure that I have age respectful real life pictures to show them. I will make sure that these resources are linked in the show notes as well. So Epic Books would be the first thing that I'd say, make sure that you check that out. Boom Cards. Boom Cards are another really amazing resource. Boom Learning is something that I had no idea existed until March. And now I actually have a store called ABA Speech where I make Boom Cards because they've been so helpful for my students. You can assign them to parents using something called a fast pin. You can show them during your teletherapy sessions. And they're really great. They're about you. There's things like reinforcement. So there's a Mr. Potato Head. There's ones that are literacy-based. There's books about dinosaurs. We have one about visual conversation called Let's Talk, where there's a question and then there's different visuals on how to answer it. They're very engaging resources. And if you're on a platform and you have a student who can handle using the mouse and having control, you can also give that control to the student. I work on a platform where you cannot do that. You cannot transfer the control and that's okay because my students may be overwhelmed by that. But if you've never heard of Boom Learning, you need to go over there and give those a look. I will link that site in the show notes and also the Let's Talk visual Boom card because that's been a really great way for me to start some groups that I have that I'm seeing through teletherapy. The third resource that I want to share is more of a therapy plan, virtual field trips. If you haven't taken a virtual field trip with your students, you are missing out. This was definitely my jam last year when things went 
all haywire with the pandemic. So a virtual field trip, in essence, is going to a place that has a live webcam. So what I would do with my students, and you could make your own book, but I do have books about going to the aquarium and about visiting the zoo in my TPT store. But you could whip up a little book in Google Slides or PowerPoint about going to the aquarium. So what I would do with my students is we would start our our little group and we would do conversation questions. And then we would read a book about going to the aquarium. And everybody would take a turn and they would work on their IEP skills at their language level. So it gets into that mixed group instruction. After we would work through the literacy-based activity about the aquarium, we would go on a virtual field trip. This was such a joy to me, and it still is. I still love these lessons. We would go to the Monterey Bay Aquarium live webcams. And you could pick, I would have the students, if they were able to request and take turns, saying which animal they wanted to see. Did you want to see the jellyfish today? Where did you want to visit? Those were my favorite, the jellyfish at the Monterey Bay Aquarium. You can see them live. And it really does feel like you're going somewhere. My students loved it. And one of the things that I love and adore and is a highlight of during that time is one of the parents was with my student supporting him during his session. And they were watching the jellyfish too. And they really loved it. And they even called over to another sibling that was in the same room kind of doing virtual instruction and said, come over here. You got to see these jellyfish. You would love this. And so I love the joy that that brought just not only me, but that family. And it's really, really a cool idea. So if you haven't incorporated virtual field trips into your therapy sessions, please, please do. You will be so excited. All right, on to strategy number four. Strategy number four is parent training. Parent training is so very important. We know that some students, as we talked about, engagement is a barrier. Some students may not even want to come over to the computer, especially if you're trying to support younger students through teletherapy. It can feel impossible. And so you may be doing a lot of parent education, a lot of parent support, And we know that that's really, really important for students at that age. So for parent training, my strategy for number four is to pick a skill of the month when you're supporting parents. Parents are overwhelmed. I can tell you, I have three kids of my own, one that is still little and he's not in school yet, and two that are on virtual instruction. My daughter actually missed 10 minutes today of a a reading lesson because I was on a teletherapy session and she's too little and she didn't know what time to get back on. So parents are overwhelmed. So what my idea for you is to, and what I've been doing, is to pick a skill of the month. We want to not overwhelm parents, but we do want to provide support. So we want to have a deeper understanding and a deeper support of skills that are going to help our students. We want to describe the skill, model the skill. We can do this during the session. Parent practices the skill or works on it after the session. Every single parent's going to be different. Some parents may feel comfortable and ask, hey, can I try this with the student now or my child now? Should I practice it here? Or maybe some parents might want to do it after the session is over. And then you want to touch base at the next session about the skill. So an example of this would be, let's say that we're working with an early learner and we're working on requesting. We want to describe how we might work on requesting with the student. If the student is engaged in teletherapy sessions, we want to model that within the session and show the parents how we're working on requesting during the sessions. So the student is motivated for an item or action. They request using 
the way they are requesting. So that means, are they using an augmentative device? Are you working on verbal imitation? And then the student engages with the item or action. And so we want to describe to the parent, this is what requesting is. When I say requesting, this is really kind of what I'm looking for. And we want to tell parents, we work on this skill so that students learn their communication is powerful. This is not the only thing that we're going to work on, but we know that this is very, very important for our students. So we want to model that during our sessions and set a goal of trying at home outside of therapy time. So we want to support parents in outlining what skill we're working on. We want to model it if we can during the session or role play if possible. And then we want to encourage them to work on that skill after therapy's over. And then what is oftentimes what I think we forget to do and myself included, we want to check back in. So the following week, we want to ask the parent, hey, how did it go? Were you guys able to work on requesting? Is that something that we're able to embed? Did you work on it? Did so-and-so request their favorite ball or their favorite sand toy? And if the parent says, you know what? I totally forgot. That's okay because we're going to pick a skill of the month. And so we're going to repeat that process again. I know as a parent of typically developing kids, I need a lot of repetition. Okay, we're using this platform to work on reading. This is the login. This is how often you should do it. Those are important things and I don't mind the repetition. So pick one skill of the month and support parents using that framework. All right, we made it to strategy number five. In strategy number five, we're going to recap our teletherapy session. I think this is a very powerful strategy. At the end of the session, it's a good idea to go back over what has been discussed and what you completed during your therapy session. I think sometimes therapy sessions, depending on your learner, could look like a lot of play, and maybe parents aren't aware of what specific goals you're targeting. And so I think it's a really great idea to frame what has been worked on to reinforce, number one, the student for their hard work, and number two, to outline what has been addressed in the session. So you have that ongoing communication, you're on the same page about what's been addressed in the session. So it may sound something like this. Wow, you did such a great job working on your talking today. We worked on requesting, and then we worked on labeling, and we worked on playing that new game. You did such a great job. So recapping the session is threefold, really. It's a good idea because we're reinforcing the student for their hard work, and we're reinforcing what we worked on that day. Number two, it's a good idea because it allows the parent to know what's been worked on during the session. Sometimes it's hard to know what the goals were, and so it outlines that. And number three, I think it's a really good idea for me as a clinician to recap what's been done so I can jot that down when I'm taking data. These sessions I've been incorporating in teletherapy for students with autism since this all started in March 2020. My goal for you is to think about one of those five strategies and how you can incorporate that into your sessions going forward. 
I know that we are feeling overwhelmed and we are feeling like some students are just not getting the amount of support that they need. And so this is a way to think about taking an actionable step from what we're working on, from this framework and incorporating into your therapy. So to recap what we talked about today, five ways to support our students with autism through teletherapy. Strategy number one is setting up expectations for having a quiet environment, having someone there to support and prompt our students. Strategy number two, thinking about how we can help our students engage during virtual therapy using that plan. Start with something fun, transition to easier master tasks, work on IEP skills, take a break, and then repeat that as needed to increase learner engagement. We want to make things fun and functional. Think about some of those resources. If you haven't tried Epic Books, that's a really fun one to try. Boom Learning has an array of different options for you to work on IEP skills. There are things that are free. There are things that you can try out. And what's nice is you get a little preview. So if it's a paid resource, you can get a preview and you can see a couple of the slides to see what it looks like if it's going to be impactful for your student. And also part of strategy three, we talked about having virtual field trips. Please go visit the Monterey Bay Aquarium and let me know how the jellyfish are doing. Tell me over on Instagram that you went there. I would love, love, love to hear that it brought you and your students joy too. And strategy four, we talk all about parent training. Don't make yourself crazy and think that we need to talk about a different skill every single time we meet with a student. That's going to overwhelm not only you, the student, it's also going to overwhelm parents. So pick a skill of the month. Talk about the skill, model the skill, encourage work on the skill when therapy is over, and then check back in to see how that is going in subsequent sessions. And strategy number five, we're going to recap the session. We're going to talk about how we worked on different IEP skills, how we worked on different strategies, and we're going to praise the student for doing a good job with what they have worked on. Those five strategies I've been implementing since COVID started, and they've been really, really helpful to have my students. It's been great to see them thrive despite the fact that this may not be an ideal setting for some of our students. But those strategies have helped me work through some of the barriers that teletherapy can bring for some students. For those of you feeling stressed about teletherapy, try a strategy from above. If you haven't tried it before, just pick one thing. If you've never worked on Epic Books, just give it a try and tell me how it goes. It may help lessen your overwhelm and the family overwhelm too. Make sure to head over to abaspeech.org and let me know which strategy you implemented. I always love hearing from you. Until next time. Thanks for listening to Autism Outreach. If you enjoyed the show today, make sure to subscribe so you don't miss an episode full of actionable strategies you can use in your therapy room. Write a review too. That would mean so much to me. I always love hearing from you. Have a specific topic that you want included on a future show? Reach out over on Instagram, ABA Speech by Rose, or visit me at www.abaspeech.org.